Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What matters most? What do we need to change? It's different for everyone. You're listening to Short Black with me, Sandra Sully. Good women, great chat. Women don't work here and they never will. That's what today's guest was told by her father. Fast forward to today and she's running the company. That company is Queensland Steel and Sheet. Cecily McGuckin, thank you for joining us here on Short Black and making the trip from Queensland to pick up where we left off really, which was more than a year ago at a Women in Focus conference. And I thought your story was so powerful. What jumped out at me is you took on a family business you inherited it, you turned it around, all positives. But you're the only female CEO in the steel distribution business in Australia. You must have hit some pretty big roadblocks. Yes, very much so. Um, an understatement, really. I've been involved in it for 10 years. So to kind of take a step back, I started my um, working career in finance. I then went overseas and travelled the world a little bit. And then came back to Australia and found a job in a company that actually built and managed their own medical centres. I was working and supporting the management team at the time. But I was getting really intrigued in the construction side. I really loved it. And so... You've been around it all your life. Well, I had. your dad's business. Yeah, well, I'd been around a male-dominated area for a long time with growing up with my father's business. And so when I got into that business, I kind of fell into the construction side, then pretty much worked in that construction side for a really long time. Then my father approached me 20 years ago to get involved in the the, the business, but it was quite a shock because it was never discussed. It wasn't something that I thought was even on the cards. Was it something you wanted to do? No, because I didn't even think it was an option. Because of your gender? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Like when I grew up, I come from a typical 1970s family. My mum stayed at home, looked after us kids, and my dad worked. I look back and I love that. I love that my mother was there to be able to support us. But I really saw from a very young age, there was never any females in that environment in those years. No role models? No, no. And your dad didn't have them either? He did not, no. Mm. So it was very, very clear from a really young age that that industry was a male-dominated environment. That industry wasn't where females go. That was not where I was going to be going. So when he approached me initially, I was in a bit of shock, wasn't expecting it. And so I was really torn as to whether to take this challenge on or not. Did you ever ask him why it took him so long or why you? Well, he'd started to look for the next stage of the business and what that looked like about whether he was going to sell it or whether he was going to be able to give it to someone else or transition through the business. So He'd had some consultants that he'd spoken to and they said, have you thought about looking within the family? And so we had a conversation that time and we actually did quite a bit of work. We actually did some um, psych testing to see whether we would work well together, which was at that time, I think, quite advanced, really, even for my father to think, okay, if we're going to do this, is this going to work? Are you an only child? No, I've got a sister. And so we sat down and looked at that and 
I was kind of really grappling with it because I then started really loving that construction area and I had a loyalty obviously to my father and at the same time you know I saw the hard work that it took that he went through that and so we took about three months and at the end of it my gut just went just don't do it and he was on the same kind of page so we went okay let's leave it so I thought that was the end of it didn't think there was going to be any further conversations about it so I went off, I was in construction development, I worked for some amazing companies like Suncorp and Mervac and really enjoyed my time there. So I had my first child, I've got three boys and he came to me at that time, i just set up my consultancy business and he said, look, can you come on board and just kind of help me out a little bit? I went, okay, no harm in that, that's just kind of some basic work on the side. When I got in, it was just a day here and there and then it had built to two days, then it built to more and then The more I got involved, the more I realised that it was a small family business that actually had turned into a corporate entity without Dad really seeing it because he was so into it. From really young age, he would get up, crack a dawn, and he would not get home till late. He worked some crazy hours. That's why the business became successful, because he put his heart and soul into it. When I got involved, I could just see he was getting pulled from so many different areas. So coming from that corporate area, I was able to go, okay, there's so many ways we can make this more efficient. There's so many things that we could bring on that can minimise the extra work which he's putting himself into and also the staff. So I was really lucky that I never had hanging over my head really that you're going to be working in this industry and this is yours. So you had a fresh eye and a fresh energy without any expectation. Yeah, exactly. And I also learnt something different from what my father would have taught me. I learned something in the corporate area that I could then bring and bring value to the business. And that, I think, made a huge difference to the success that the business has come in. And that's not just me by myself. We've got amazing staff working for us. But that 10 years of growth of the business, that 10 years of me being involved, was really difficult, not only for me, but for my dad and for my staff. And our customers getting used to a female in that environment because there's so many aspects to that. You've got a male-dominated environment, you've got a female daughter in that, but it's also being a son or a daughter in a family business and showing that you've got value. That in itself is difficult on top of then running and managing a business. You mean the weight of expectation for you to deliver? Very much so. So when I walked in, there was no females. There was no other females in the industry, really, other than, um, to be crass, in, in more of the admin kind of stage. Luckily, it's done and get more females in the industry. When I first started, I actually went and travelled, went and had a look at the steel mills to really understand how the steel's made. And there was lots of females over there. It was quite surprising that there are so many females, but when you come back to Australia, there is none, which is quite an eye-opening, really. So I really thought... I need to be able to look at this business. What can I bring value to? What can I then be able to change that will work for my dad, for my staff? And that was really, really difficult for them to not only bring a female into the business, but accept all the changes I was bringing in. Like that was tough. And they could see that sometimes there was a lot of strain between me and my dad because I'd like to bring some changes in. And he thought that the way it was running was fine. And it was. We all get lost in the minutiae of the detail. Yep. And as you say, someone can walk in with a fresh eye and a brand new paradigm and it can pivot things. Oh, without a doubt. When you have the ability to actually come into something, whether it's a family business or whether you're walking into a corporate entity or something that's small, 
you have the ability to look at it with fresh eyes to be able to bring what you've learned, what other industry you're in. You can pivot industries and walk into something completely different and to be able to bring that knowledge and be able to bring change. For me, that was really exciting. What were some of the simple things in the beginning that seemed so obvious to you? When I came on board, we didn't have contracts. It was all handshake and that's the way it used to be, you know. We're talking big money. Yeah, like this is the way... And when, look, when I started, we had closer to um, 20 staff, maybe 18 staff. Now we've got closer to 30. So simple things like people having contracts and job descriptions so they understand what their role is. It was little things like that, but then it was bringing in procedures so that everyone was able to then understand what the expectations were, what the expectations were for them, what the expectations were for other people within the business, for them all to be able to work together and go, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is the impact it's going to have. So through this whole period, this wasn't just me. Like I've had some people that are no longer with us in the business because of a number of different reasons. They didn't fit in because they may have been a bit negative. They didn't fit in because they weren't doing their job. They didn't fit in because they didn't like the changes we were bringing and they didn't fit in because they They wouldn't accept you. Exactly. So Mm. there's so many elements to that. And so through the last 10 years, we've changed the staff significantly. But even with that, we've had people say, we've got 30 staff, 40% of that has been with us for five plus years. And I've got a couple that have been with us 20 plus. Mm. And I have to make sure that I look at it from their perspective And I can't just focus on me. I've got to make sure I go, I'm bringing in these changes. Am I doing it the right thing for them? So what I've always done, and I've always asked questions. In any job I've done, I've asked questions. Whatever question that is, you've got to be able to listen to the answers because it's going to either change your perspective or then it's going to reinforce the way you're thinking. And that was able to allow me to learn the business and learn everyone's roles. I was able to then have these people that are now been with us for such a long time that I've been able to learn from. They've been able to be people that I've really connected to and they're loyal. What sort of insights do they give you in the early days? Well, I think I was lucky enough to always get them involved. So when I was bringing something in... That's a very respectful approach. But I think you have to. You've got to give people the feeling of having skin in the game because that's really important because they're doing that job, I'm not doing it. They do it every day. Their perspective of that is going to be different from mine. So if I want to bring on changes that are going to be impacting their role, I need to bring them to the table and get their perspective because if I'm not doing that, it's not going to work. But do you remember that sort of feedback where you didn't recognise that what you thought was quite a simple, effective change, they saw it as quite, you know, jarring? Yeah. I suppose performance reviews is one. Performance reviews, everyone. They never had one. No. So for 27 years, no one had the chance to sit down across the table in a more formal environment and go, tell me how you are. How are you feeling the business? You know, and giving them encouragement. Are you happy? Yeah. Do you want to stay? Exactly. And What else would you like to do in the business? Oh, my God. And it was like mind-blowing, that opportunity for them to sit down and their voice to be heard. For me, that was great because I look at the steel industry and this was not my baby. This is my dad's. Steel isn't that exciting. But what I really love about it is I love the ability to be able to have amazing people working with you. I love the ability to grow great relationships with not only my staff, but our customers, our traders, all these people, these consultants that we work for. I love having these connections that then create great outcomes. 
recently we, we had one of our customers turn up with a carton of beer with a sticker on the front of it going, you guys are awesome, hand this out to the boys. For me, I feel like that's a big win. We've never marketed our business ever, but we're really well known for customer service and that comes back to... Relationships. Relationships. Authenticity. Exactly. And I grew up with people sleeping at our house, like we had customers staying at our house and that no longer happens. But I learned off my father the importance of being there for the customer, the customer experience, but also making sure that the people who work for you have that same sentiment. If they don't, it's not going to work. I love the culture piece in my business. Again, that was something that dad created. Some, he was giving loans to some staff. Like, he was, <laughs> like it's crazy. Did, and did you have to say, now listen, dad, yes. we're not in the finance sector. That's right. We're in the steel business. And that's because as much as he was very hierarchical and this is what's going on, he also still loved the people he worked with. Yeah. So I think that's why so many have stayed. And I love the fact that we've got people that have been there for such a long time. But for me, it's it's a whole thing about I don't care whatever business it's in. For me, it's caring. It's caring for the customers. It's caring for your staff. And that's a piece that really drives me. But still, right, you take on the family business and you had, you know, parallel experience in business. Yes. Um, and so you knew from a management perspective what changes you could make. But you're still walking to a game full of men who didn't want you there. I mean, they told you loudly and clearly you are not welcome. Yeah. How did you deal with that? I've really learned that the only way that I can have anyone change their perspective of me is the actions which I do. There's no point in me sitting there going, hey, I'm really great, give me a chance. I need to be able to prove that. And I don't think it matters if you're a male or a female or whatever. You need to be able to prove yourself in whatever industry you're in. And for me, if I needed to, I'd say something back to someone if they were being disrespectful. Or What sort of things would they say? It's the girly stuff. I was walking around a warehouse, customer's warehouse, and a gentleman was with me. And he turned to me and goes, oh, it must be so difficult for you walking through this warehouse. You know, it's so dirty. And I just turned around and I said, why are you getting dirty? I just couldn't believe that these comments were still coming out of people's mouths. Like, it's just ridiculous. It's always the little small little snide remarks, which now I don't let them get away with. I tend to really pull them up now then before I'd kind of just bite my tongue because I thought if I bit my tongue, then if it's repeated back out in the industry, then she's saying this. and Because it's a very small industry, right? She's narky, she's a bitch. That's it. It really is. It's The industry is so small that everyone tittle-tattles. What would be your worst example? We had someone working in the business for a while and he just didn't accept me. He really thought that his role was going to be taking over the business. That was not what happened. And he struggled. So every single time I'd bring something to the table, it was no. Every single time that I wanted to bring an idea or had an issue or wanted to address something with a staff member, it was no. And it was just his way of trying to be able to control the situation. And And sabotage you at every turn. Look, I just don't know whether... He really understood that I was there to try to work together, but that's just not the way it worked out. And as much as I tried, and look, I'm sure we were both at fault, but as much as I really tried, it just didn't go that direction. And so he eventually ended up leaving the business. And my dad really struggled with that initially and said, you know. You pushed him out? Is that what he said? Well, no, he didn't say I pushed him out, but he pretty much said, I hope you're happy he's gone. Wow. And I said to dad, but. This is a good thing. And then like a week or so later, he goes, I'm so glad that's happened. 
there's been a number of people that have been in the business that dad's been connected to and he's wanted to keep them. We call it the koala status because dad had this ability that he wanted to keep them on board because he had a loyalty. There's so many valuable lessons about the transition and managing a family business. Mm. It's extraordinary. Oh, there's so many aspects to it. I've walked into a family business. I'm the only female there. I've not only had to prove my worth, but also prove that daddy didn't give it to me. You know, I had to prove that I was there for my own merits. And that was tough. You know, sometimes I go home and through this whole 10 years, I had three kids in this and I'd go home and go, oh my God, what am I doing? You know, sometimes it was really, really tough. But I pull myself together and go, I'm doing this for so many reasons. I'm doing this because I want the legacy to keep on going. He started it from nothing. He had the support of my mother. They came to Brisbane from Cairns with $50 in their wallet, you know. So for me, I saw that struggle. So I went, I don't want to just give that away. Yeah. Then I've got my staff who, if we just sold it, what would happen to them? And then our customers who some of them are so loyal. That's what kept me going. And then also... The opportunity for your three boys to choose that's to it. carry on the legacy. And for me, my husband and I are already talking about what that looks like. And we're very clear on they will be given the opportunity if they're right for the business. They will not be given it just because they're our kids. My eldest always goes, well, when I'm the manager, I go, well, no, mate, that's not how it works. You've got to be able to... And we've already talked about if they go to UD or do a trade or whatever... We want them to experience living overseas for a period of time and then we want them to work somewhere else for a period of time because, again, same for me, if I only came in learning what my dad taught me, I I wouldn't be able to bring any changes on. Does your husband work in the business? No. No, he doesn't. (laughs) I'm not sure whether you said that with relief or determination. (laughs) Which was it? Well, look, funnily enough, we've been together since we were actually teenagers and he actually worked for my dad when he was at uni. So he knows the business very, very well. He's actually um, a lawyer by trade and that's where he was always wanting to go. And so I've supported him very heartily in that and he's done the same for me. He's also a confidant for dad as well. So he kind of sometimes gets stuck in the middle, (laughs) poor fella. So, you know, sometimes dad's saying this and I'm saying this and he kind of goes, you guys got to work it out. Is your dad still involved? Two years ago, we actually take a step back. Five years ago, dad said to me, I want out. I don't want to do this anymore. He's in his 70s. He said, I just want to be able to back out of it. And he goes, let's do this. We want to be able to transition you in. He said, but I never want it impacting our relationship. Well. Sorry, Dad, that's not that easy. (laughs) We're all going, oh, this is going to be fine. And it did. And it has. And it's changed our relationship quite severely. I've always been very, very close to my dad. We've always had a really close relationship. He always says we could be in a room for a day and not talk and we, we have a great time. And I'm lucky I've got that, but we've had some really, really tough periods of time. And we've fought about things because we got to a point that I was going, I'm ready for this now. I I can do it. I need to let it go. But he wasn't ready to let go. And so we would then have this argument about when he was going to let go. And I'm going, I just need you to let it go. But now that I look back on it, it was his baby for so long. And I need to be able to take that into perspective and go, he just wasn't ready for that yet. And so two years ago, we decided that I'd be CEO. And even that was a funny conversation because he said, well, I want to formally tell the staff. And I went, yep, this is fine. And he said, yeah, I want to tell them if I fall off the perch, they've got someone to pay their wages. Again, it was him trying to explain the reasons why I was there. But I was going, Dad, I've proved it. I've done that now. They're accepting of it. 
And it took him a little while and he went, you're right, you do deserve it and let's do this the right way. So again, it was my gut going, no, you're not going to say that. I want you to say the right thing because that can coast through the industry. And, and he now says, I'm so glad you've taken her over because I just can't do this anymore. And I feel privileged that he's given me the opportunity because also he took a risk bringing his daughter into this business. At what point did you know you could do it? It was all a long time of self-doubt because I had a lot of people giving me a hard time. In the business? Yes, and um, I think it was a lot of personal. Um, it was kind of myself saying, can you do this? Can you do this? Oh, it's that whole got, imposter syndrome. It totally is. Yeah. And I'm in a different environment and can I do this? And you get knocked down and I go, I feel like I'm taking one step forward and a million back and I just felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. Was that part of winning over people, convincing them that you knew what you were doing but you just kept hitting roadblocks? Yes, I think so. I think it took a long time for certain staff members to accept it. Some of them were really great from the get-go. Others took a little bit of convincing, but again, I can't expect me just to walk in and someone go, okay, you've got this and you're going to take it over. It was little wins. It was little things that would be a light bulb moment for myself or a light bulb moment for my staff. And they go, okay, this is actually a great idea and we would bring it on board or something would happen or, you know, I dealt with something that wasn't fantastic and dealt with in a way they went, that was great and And again, through this period of time, I've probably really changed my leadership style a lot. How so? Well, when I first came on board, you know, I was trying to follow my father's footsteps. Very quickly, I went, that's not working for me. That's not my style. I really keep my emotions as much as I can. Everyone has their days, but in check. I use my emotional intelligence a lot. What I mean by that is when something's going on, I make sure that I'm really aware of how I am in that day, how my staff is, what's going on with them. And because I've got such a good relationship with a lot of them, I know what's going on in their lives. I know what's going on in the background. So if they're having a bad day, I understand why. So my leadership style in that side is very different to dad's. And again, they've had to get used to that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very collaborative. If I'm having a bad day, I'm trying to bring it to work because they've got their own stuff going on. We're running a business. Park it at the door. Exactly. You have to. And some people can do that better than others. And I think that's something that you constantly are learning. And for me, that's something that I'm really, really aware of because I need to be on my best for them all the time. If your leadership management team aren't positive, aren't leading by example, what hope do you have that the rest of your team are going to follow? Well, clearly you've won the staff over. At what point did you think you'd won the industry over? That's a really good question. I think it just slowly evolved over time. I have a really good relationship with customers. So again, when they start calling you and you've now start building a rapport and a relationship, that for me is like a bit of a, okay, I now know that these people respect me on a different level. Even the other day, I had one of them give me a call and just asking me about the HR side of things and having other people from other businesses call you and ask you for your opinion for me, feels like you've made it. You're at a point that there's a respect level. And um, for me, that's, that's amazing. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When I saw you at the Women in Focus conference, it felt to me like it was one of the first times you'd got up and really spoken out loud about your journey. Yes. But what came as a consequence of that is the importance you place on the network and surrounding yourself by people that get you and help you get where you want to go. Without a doubt. Because, again, learning off my dad, he didn't talk to anyone. He didn't talk to mum. And I even asked him, why did you never get mum involved? And he went, I wanted her to focus on the family and not be worried and the stresses that were going on at work. I didn't want to put that on her. But he didn't have anyone else. And so, again, I don't want to do that. He's had some really dark times and he's really struggled in his business when things were really difficult, but he had no one to back him. And so I went, I don't want to do that. So about four years ago... When I started getting to that point that I was in a more of that high-level management, I went, I've got to find some of my tribe. I call it women that I need around me. And so I started going to the Women in Focus conference. I've been to a few of the business checks things. I've also um, started getting involved in Family Business Australia and other networks and any opportunity that was around me, I kind of took it on and was really open. I'm not a typical extrovert. I'm quite introverted. So I had to really push myself to go into those and walk up to a group of women and just start talking. And that has just been amazing because now I've got amazing women all around Australia that I now can talk to and bounce things off. That for me has been so important because you need women to be able to support women. And Why? Why do you think so? Because... You know, even the need to be able to have a really frank conversation with someone and be really vulnerable and be able to know that that person's going to keep it to themselves but are going to give you a really honest response. But why does gender have anything to do with that? When I went looking for people, I wasn't particularly looking for women. I was also looking just for people, but I've been able to connect more with female owners and leaders. That's who I've connected to. So there's a variety of different women I've got. The women I've actually got around me are all owners of business. So for me, it's more I look at those women, they know what it's like to go home and start worrying about work and then they've got to feed the kids and then they've got to do this for school and then they've got to look after this. I think it's more that side of things because... And there's no question that women understand the juggle. Yes, very much so. And that for me... Look, even how they're talking about these days about quotas that have to be put into businesses to be able to get a 50-50 split, I see the pros and the negatives with that because I think I look at it and go, so many businesses can benefit if they really do give a woman a chance to lead. How so? I think with women, there's not, not as much ego base there. It's more about what they can give. And obviously women want to strive. They want to be able to be the best they can. And I want to be the best I can for my industry. I want to be able to be that CEO. I want to be able to be... That trailblazer. Exactly. You already are. Thanks, Sandra. <laughs> you are. And But that's the thing. You want to be able to achieve that, but you want to achieve it on your own merits. You don't want to be given it just because you're a female. And for me, women have such a different way of looking at leadership. You know, women tend to help others. 
we look at their perspective and we want to be able to involve. For me personally, I want to involve other people in that journey. I want to be able to get them involved because I know there's benefit there. And I don't want to be running this path by myself because if I don't have a team that supports me and we all actually have that connection. Pretty lonely space. It is. Mm. And, you know, running businesses is lonely. Family business is so hard. Businesses in general are really difficult to run. Then you bring the family aspect into it. It's like you need a psychologist there 24-7. It's really hard. And then there's the weight of responsibility. Well, you have to not only carry on the legacy, you have to deliver outcomes that have moved the business on profitably as well as, you know, in a longevity sense. That's it. So that's really important. And, you know, like 70% of, of businesses in Australia are family businesses. And I don't think there's enough support there. It's starting to slowly build now. As we're getting more support for women in business, I think there's also the need to be supporting family and business because it's such a large part of our economy, isn't it? So we need to be able to make sure we're doing the right thing in both areas. There's so much support that can be given. But what I like now is I now look at my business and 14% of my staff are females and other businesses that we work with, you know, I've got other women that I now talk to who coming up in their businesses and I want to be able to support them whether it's a family business or not you know I want to be able to support other women because I want to be able to support them through those really difficult times and go it's going to be okay because you're not by yourself because so many people feel like they're doing this by themselves. So you're working in manufacturing right it's an industrial sector. Yes. How have you encouraged the growth of the female workforce in that area? Well, for me personally, the way that I can make grow is by employing females in my industry. Are you seeing enough coming through? Not really, no. It's not the prettiest of industries. It's still very male-dominated. That's why I'm doing these kind of things, to be able to show women that there are so many opportunities out there of businesses that aren't as well known. So when you come out of uni, you don't hear about businesses like this. So what do you need in your business? Do you need an engineering degree or do you need a trade? A lot of people that work for me don't have degrees. A lot of them have literally come out of school and gone into steel industry. It's like they say, once it's in your blood, you can't get out. So many people stay in that industry and don't get out. And so you don't need to have it. You just got to be able to have the strength to be able to push yourself and to be able, look, there's so many, okay, well, let me break it down. In relation to my business, I've got a variety of different people working for me. So we sell steel to the manufacturing industry. We don't actually manufacture. We supply that steel to that industry. So we have a warehouse. So I've got sales reps. I've got um, internal sales. I've got admin. I've got procurement. I've got warehouse. I've got truck drivers. So there's such a variety of different areas within that industry. So we're not talking welders. We're talking the rest. Exactly. And then we actually then support people who are the welders and the stuff like that who are our customers. There's so many opportunities. And for me, there's progression. We have a lot of people that have worked for us that were warehouse guys that are now internals, that have then turned into sales reps that have progressed in that business. For me, it's been able to give those people the opportunity to educate and to be able to move and give them opportunities to move within our business. Our business is not huge, so there's only a certain way you can go. Surely automation is a big part of your future and that will provide so many more opportunities for everyone. Yes, There is a lot of change coming into that at the moment. So we are seeing so many businesses and I go and see customers and it's quite exciting, the technology that's actually coming into the manufacturing industry in Australia. They're saying the manufacturing industry is dying, but it's actually not. It's actually increasing. 
But what it is, it's increasing in other areas that are not being the norm. So, like what? Well, for example, there's an architectural firm that we supply to that actually do artwork. They create these amazing artworks and sometimes the facade on buildings. And it's the technology they're using in construction and things like that, where you had a lot of people that were on the floor doing work. They've minimised how many people on the floor actually cutting and welding steel. But those jobs are then now gone onto the IT side. So even though we've lost it here, we're building it in other areas. So the Australian industry in steel is not dying. The manufacturing industry isn't dying. It's actually just evolving into something different, which is quite exciting at the same time. And there's many opportunities for females and males in that environment. It doesn't have to still be so male-dominated. And I do believe that a lot of people are a lot more open in my industry because the older generations are kind of moving out and the younger generations are now coming through. And they're more open to females and they're more open to be able to give anyone an opportunity, whether whatever cultural background you're from, whether it's males, females, which is really lovely. Do you feel that you've conquered the doubters and you've earned your space, you've won that respect? I think I have, yeah. And I think I've also personally been able to squash my doubts which was the last part of it. Like that was the last part for me that I went, you know, along this way I felt like I had to prove it to myself that I could do it. I had to feel like I had to prove it to my dad. I had to prove it to my staff. So was it the voice inside you that said job well done or was it your dad? Yeah, it was a combination of both, really. I think I felt like I was getting there. And then we sit down and have a couple of drinks as we do every once in a while. And he just said, you know, I'm so glad you're doing this. You're doing a great job. And that's not something that comes easy for my father. And even some comments from other people in the industry have made comments, or even people when I do some of the talks that I do, people walk up and go, I've got this out of what you've just said. There's so many amazing things that I could do that I've just got to be able to push myself. I hear so many lessons in in family businesses and that transitional phase, But they can be applied across the board in terms of just challenging your fears, doing something a little bit different, believing in yourself and following through. Yeah. Like I think as women, we tend to give ourselves a really hard time. Our expectations on ourselves are sometimes way too high. And I think we need to be able to stop and take notice of what we're actually doing. Like we've got some amazing women doing some just brilliant things in this country. And We need to be able to sit down and go, I can do that. I can actually do these things. And we've got to stop this imposter syndrome. We we just got to have to stop it. And every individual woman can only control that themselves. You can't do that any other way. So for me, I really focus on all the good things I've done. Like I look back and like that CBA Women in Focus conference, I never really stopped and looked back on what I'd achieved. So when I had to sit down and then write this talk, I started going, you forget You've gone through so many battles and you forget what you've actually achieved. Well, you're so busy doing it and fighting and getting through it. That's it. Let alone stopping and looking back and going, good on you. And everyone needs to do that. If you just stop and actually look back at what you've achieved, everyone has gone through so many things of their own. But, you know, you can say that to everyone. But the reality is, Cecily, you know, management is a very lonely experience. It is. Being forced to write some sort of speech or presentation about your journey encourages you to find some perspective in it. And I think that's the critical difference. If you can find some perspective, 
it allows you to stand back from it and be a little bit more honest in your critique or assessment. You talk a lot about the value of your gut. Yes. And your emotional EQ as opposed to IQ. Yeah. For me, I couldn't survive without my gut, not just physically, but emotionally. My gut tells me everything I need to know just about every day. Yes. Look, I wouldn't have been able to do what I do without listening to my gut. It is so important. I was reading an article saying that there's a nerve that um, is connected from your gut to your brain that's a thousand times bigger than the surface of the skin. It just proves what I really believe in that you need to be able to listen to that little voice in your head telling you just don't do it or this is a great idea. And I've noticed that when I haven't listened to that, things haven't gone the way I wanted them to. Your gut's only one portion of it. You'd be able to have all the facts. So I make decisions quickly, but when I do make them, I make sure that I've got all that information in front of me. I say to other people, and I even say to my staff, what's your gut telling you? And you've got to listen to it because it makes such a difference, not only in your business life, but also in your personal life. Are you a planner, Cecily? Yes. So what are your big plans? Where do you want to be in five years? That's what every planner has to know, don't they? That's it. Well, that's the thing I've always done. Like when when I've looked at the business, I think about it. Every year I gave myself a focus. I just gave it for a year. What is my focus for this year for me able to get this right? So this year I was working on finance. So getting that as right as I possibly can. Now what I'm looking at is family transition. That's what we're looking at at the moment and putting family councils in place and putting in an advisory board, which my dad's going to sit on. So he still has that involvement in the business. What about your sister's role in the game? Sam's never been involved. I'm just not interested. She lives in the Gold Coast and she runs a skin clinic there. So he couldn't have two separate and different industries that we work in. So it wasn't something she was ever interested in. You know, I think about it, I look at other family businesses and I see their siblings involved and that would just make it even harder. Mm. So I look at it and go, even though sometimes was a little bit lonely that I was doing it by myself, I'm kind of really happy that it was just me and my dad. Well, Cecily, you're a real trailblazer in, in your industry and we congratulate you and salute you. Thank you so much for spending some time with us here at Short Black. Thank you, Sandra. Appreciate it. You have been listening to Short Black a 10 News First podcast for 10 Speaks. To make sure you don't miss any of our great chats, subscribe in your favourite podcast app. I'm Angela Bishop and for the past 30 years, I've been lucky enough to interview some of the funniest, loveliest and zaniest celebrities around. There have been some cracker interviews, but what you see on TV is usually just a fraction of what's actually recorded. I've been looking back on some of my favourite interviews from the last three decades and you're in for a treat. You're going to hear the best bits, worst bits, edited, unedited, all with a bit of a backstory from me. Find out what went off before the cameras went on. This is Starstruck with me, Ange Bishop. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.